Yesterday morning, a lot of people at the airport were sitting at the airport expecting to hop on an early morning flight to get where they were going, only to find out that they weren't going anywhere. And the problem was that a key safety system that's operated and managed by the Federal Aviation Administration had broken down, and essentially they needed to reboot and restart it. But until they could do that, no flights could depart in the U.S., this is Lori Aritani. She covers transportation for The Post. And just to be clear, the fact that no commercial flights were allowed to take off anywhere in the country is a really big deal. This is an incredibly rare step. I think the only other time that this has been done was in the wake of the September 11th attacks. So it's, it's a very dramatic step, but it's one that's very focused on ensuring safety. And it has a lot of people asking, what happened? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, January 12th. Today, we are going to explain why the FAA took this dramatic step. And we're also going to talk about how bonkers flying has been recently. The collapse of Southwest over the holidays, and how all of this points to a deeper problem with America's very fragile aviation system. So, Laurie, can you explain what is this system that failed and how does it work? So the system that failed is called the Notice to Air Mission System. And it's basically a system that alerts pilots and crew members to any issues that they might encounter on their flight. So before they take off and they head to their destination and put that plane in the air, they need to check the NOTAMs. And it'll alert them to say, say they're flying into Denver Airport and Denver Airport has one runway that's not working. Those pilots need to know that, right? This will alert them to any issues that they could potentially encounter on that flight before they put that flight in the air. And do we have any idea what caused this failure? U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg and the White House Press Secretary have both said they do not believe this was the result of a cyber attack. We do not have evidence that this outage was caused by a cyber attack. The FAA is working aggressively to get to the bottom of the root causes for the system outage so that it does not happen again. Yeah, when there's a problem with a government system, we're going to own it, we're going to find it, and we're going to fix it. They believe this was simply a matter of a corrupted file in the database that caused the outage. The first signs that there were issues with the system actually emerged, I think, Tuesday afternoon. Um, they have a backup system, so as they tried to fix the main system, they had a backup system. But sometimes, as you know, if anyone who works with technology, sometimes systems, it's just hard to get them back online. And it sounds like from the time the system went down at about 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time on Tuesday, they were trying to fix it overnight. And early in the morning, they just realized it wasn't going to work, and they basically needed to shut it down and reboot it, yeah. um, which is what they did. Lori, 
Corey, this is one of those things that, as a person who flies on airplanes, I did not know until yesterday that this was even, like, an issue that could come up or a part of what needs to be able to work properly for us to be able to fly safely. And so I wonder, like, the fact that this went wrong, the fact that there was this kind of problem, what does that say more largely about the problems that airlines and and the, the airline industry has been seeing lately? I think it it reminds us, right? We take it for granted. Think of all the systems that we interact with every day that just work, right? You 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 buy a ticket, you hop on an airplane, and boom, you're in Bali. It's great, right? You hop on an airplane, boom, you're in San Francisco. But there's so much behind that, right? And this is just another sign of how we need to invest in infrastructure, right? The bridge is great until the bridge breaks down. The system that feeds pilots critical information about potential safety issues or hazards is great until it breaks down. And a lot of times you think this happens with infrastructure in the U.S. We love new things. We love new bridges. We Mm. love new subways. um, We love new airports. But we don't always like to spend the money to fix old things, right? Because it's much more fun to build a new addition to your house. And this is just... Another reminder that we need to invest in this key infrastructure, right? So if you're saying that Wednesday's problem was a result of some of these decades-long issues with investment in our country's aviation infrastructure, tell me about why that hasn't been solved yet. Like, if we know that this is a problem and that this is popping up in different ways other than just um, the safety issue that we saw on Wednesday, like, why hasn't this been fixed yet? It can be the same issue. We like to build new things. We don't always like to invest in old things. Congress doesn't necessarily like to spend money and invest in the federal government. Depending on who's running, who's the majority, they may want to seek solutions in private industry. You're seeing some movement on this now with the bipartisan infrastructure money that's going in, that's flowing out to rebuild bridges and and things. But when you think of it, there's just so much need, but it's just, there's just, limited resources. And and how much of that money went to aviation? I mean, when, when we think about that package that was passed last year, um, like I'm trying to remember, did it go to the FAA? Well, several billion have gone, I know, to upgrade airport infrastructure. But the timing of this may be good because the FAA is about to start its reauthorization cycle, right? Congress is about to start holding hearings on funding priorities at the Federal Aviation Administration. So if the FAA was trying to make a case, we need money to upgrade systems that can help, you know, the nation's air system run more smoothly, (laughs) perhaps this is good timing for them. Mm. Um, People may say, well, make do with what you had. We gave you a few billion in the last cycle, which was in 2018. Now they can make the case and say, this is what broke down You know, they're trying to figure out what happened, right? We know it was a corrupted file, but how did it get in there? You know, how can they prevent it from happening again? And hopefully leaders at the FAA can can explain what happened. They'll need to explain what happened, what they need to do, and how they can prevent it from happening again. Mm. You know, one other thing to note at the Federal Aviation Administration is the former administrators stepped down last year, so the agency has been without a permanent leader for almost a year. Why that long? 
Uh, the Biden administration nominated Phil Washington, who's currently the head of the airport, Denver International Airport, but Congress, the Senate, didn't hold hearings on his nomination. Mm. So he was renominated last week. So perhaps this incident puts attention on that. Perhaps they can get permanent leadership and perhaps they can start to explain what they need to do in order to upgrade the system, ensure that it can run safely and smoothly. After the break, we'll dig into what went wrong at Southwest Airlines over the holidays and what the vulnerabilities of that one airline can tell us about the broader aviation system. We'll be right back. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So, Lori, I think a lot of people are still reeling from what happened with Southwest before the holidays, which seemed chaotic and affected so many people who were trying to travel. Can you talk a little bit more about what happened there with Southwest and why it happened? Yeah, definitely. Let me give you one figure that may make your jaw drop, which is between December 21st and December 31st, Southwest Airlines canceled more than 16,000 oh flights. Gosh. We got a text message like 9 o'clock last night that her flight was canceled. I was on the phone for like four hours um, on hold, no answer. So we woke up this morning and I said, let's just come to the airport to see what's going on. There are no flights available for three, four, five days on Southwest. So if I could reschedule and go home another time, it, right now it's noon on Saturday. And that's a long way away for me. That's in the heart of their busiest travel season. <sighs> Um, Part of those cancellations were due to weather, but Southwest had extra issues that it ran into, which is there was weather, definitely. Folks that traveled that week of December 19th probably remember storms coming through Denver and Chicago. But for Southwest, their issues were weather, but they were compounded by the fact that they had old systems for how they match flights with staffing. So they have one system that they put in and they say, okay, we have issues, and it tells them, okay, this is the passengers, you put them on these flights. Then it moves to another system to put crew members on their flights. Basically, their schedule was changing so often and so frequently that the system broke down, and they simply couldn't match crews to flights. They couldn't match pilots and flight attendants to airplanes, and so they couldn't operate. And so you think of it as a giant snowball, right? It starts very small. They think they're going to be able to control this, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and they are completely overwhelmed. They got to the point where they could no longer use the computer system to make these matches that they had to do these on peak. Oh my gosh. And they just... They just were unable to to match to match and make these flights op- operate. 
But why is Southwest so behind on this when other airlines seem to be able to handle this? I mean, why does Southwest have a, a different system that seems like it's not up to par? Well, Southwest operates differently from other airlines, right? Other airlines operate on what's called a hub-and-spoke system, right? So they have a central city. So say you're United Airlines and you have a Chicago hub. You take flights from small cities and you move them all into that Chicago hub, right? And then they leave from there. So you're feeding into a central place. Southwest is different because they're what you call a point-to-point flyer. So they're flying from, say, a flight that goes from Dallas-Fort Worth to Denver isn't going to go back from Denver to Dallas-Fort Worth. That flight's going to go to another place. It may go to Las Vegas. And it's not going to go back from Las Vegas to Denver like they would in a hub-and-smoke model. That flight may go to Los Angeles. So when you're decentralized like that, when something goes wrong, you don't have a central place where planes are and where crews are based. They're scattered sort of all over the U.S. So when you miss one of those connections, people are stuck there. Planes are stuck there. So when they have to shut down one place, the whole idea of moving people around gets completely scrambled. Have any of these issues been raised before? Yes. The flight attendants union, the pilots unions, a lot of the unions have been talking for years about the need to update these systems. And it's not as if Southwest Airlines didn't know, executives there didn't know that they needed to upgrade these systems. Again, it's this idea that What are your priorities going to be? Okay, the system is working fine for what we have. And they point out, you know, 99% of the time, the system worked. And so you roll the dice and you gamble and you hope that it's going to work until you can fix it. And it's this 1% that really gets you. And that's, in this case, what got Southwest is ordinarily they would have been able to recover But the storm was worse than they thought. The disruption was far worse than they anticipated. And like that snowball, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it overwhelmed them. You know, eventually, they basically, if you were flying southwest during that week between Christmas, leading up to Christmas and between Christmas and New Year's, and you tried to rebook, you may have tried to rebook on the app and found that you couldn't. They basically just had to stop the system. And again, like what happened with the FAA just yesterday, they had to halt the system and they had to restart it. Lori, I I know that you and I have discussed in the past, um, and I think anyone who flies is familiar with this, that there has been so much to complain about as a consumer and passenger over the last couple of years. And I think that, that in our conversations and and how we're sort of talking about these problems, it's often framed around the pandemic and the fact that everybody stopped flying all of a sudden and flight attendants were laid off or um, uh, that that staff at airlines was diminished. And then you had people who all of a sudden wanted to fly again very quickly. And that so much of this has been around like how COVID affected the airline industry. But it, it sounds like what you're saying is that actually a lot of these problems are not pandemic problems. They're just our country's problems and that they're the problems that preceded the last couple of years and that they're problems that are going to stay with us for a long time. That's exactly true. There, The issues with air traffic, the number of air traffic controllers, national airspace, growth of the aviation industry, not necessarily keeping pace with growth of FAA's resources have were issues long before the pandemic. You think of the issue with the Boeing MAX jets. Those were the jets that had two crashes, one in Indonesia Mm -hmm. and one in Ethiopia. One of the things that came out of that was the staff that's 
Federal Aviation Administration staff that's charged with overseeing safety is is outnumbered by those that come from industry. So the FAA has long been asking for resources, additional resources. You know, it's it's you can probably make a lot more money working for Boeing than you can at the FAA, so I'm sure they face competition recruiting folks. But yeah, this resource issue has been around for a long time for the Federal Aviation Administration and for a lot of other, you know, for infrastructure, the nation's infrastructure overall. So knowing what happened yesterday, what are, what are your questions about uh, how it all played out and, and what are you looking at going forward? What we're looking at going forward is we're trying to figure out were there potential safety issues when they sensed that there were issues with the system? And if so, why didn't they shut it down sooner? Because there were flights in the air even when they knew that there were issues in the system. What caused them to decide, okay, it's so bad that we need to shut it down and completely reset it and we need to ground air traffic. But should they have shut it down earlier? You know, we don't, we don't know. Lori, thank you so much. Thank you, Martine. Lori Aritani covers transportation for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis. It was mixed by Sean Carter, and it was edited by Maggie Penman. And a sneak peek for tomorrow's episode. We are bringing back The Post's advice columnist, Carolyn Hacks, to offer some guidance for a complicated family going through some very messy drama. You have to go to the person. I mean, the, the relationship is between the, the, two, the two family members. And if you want to stop the gusher of, of private information, you have to go to the source, and the source is the broken relationship. Because if the relationship weren't broken, then none of this would be happening. You will not want to miss it. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with that story from The Washington Post. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.